0: In my early 20s, I woke up in a hospital, walked out to the games area, and was met with a familiar sight, a 40-year-old woman wearing an undersized ballet dress. Her makeup was delightfully comical. Her long blonde hair was tied in pigtails. An attractive woman in her 40s, I thought. The woman asked if I wanted to have another game of pool. This was the third time I was asked the same question by this woman. She was a terrible pool player. I was very good. Over the three days I had learned to let her win. This day, my ego took the better of me and I gained the advantage. I started to win. The woman became violent, swearing at me, chasing me around the games room with the pool cue, threatening to smash me over the head threatening to kill me it was believable there was a young man with a circular scar on his arm looking over at us I looked at him his eyes in pain revealed the truth of which I already knew outside the games room was a woman holding her head pacing in circles talking to herself reliving her story to herself over and over again of the event that led her to be there, the time she decapitated her husband. This was Tokanui Mental Health Hospital. This was my home. Welcome to the 13 Elephants Podcast. My name is Dr. Michael. Follow 13 Elephants and my story on Spotify Podcast and please subscribe to 13 Elephants on YouTube. I appreciate you all. I thank you also very much for allowing me into this space to share the story. This is the 13 Elephants podcast. I am Dr. Michael. Come along for the ride. Today's episode is about the disparity between normal and not so normal, and the way the third space lived experience debunks the myth that measuring the abnormal takes the gaze away from the normal. I am not normal, as my favorite artist Salvador Dali said. I am not strange, I am just not normal. When I was in Tukanui Mental Health Unit in my early 20s, I was viewed as not normal. I arrived at Tokonoi after a planned method to live my experiences of being emotionally spent. The events of the day leading to me being taken to Tokonoi started rather routine for me, with a little bit of a difference. On the day, I woke up calm and feeling safe, not really too worried about anything, not really planning anything. Just another typical day, really, in my 20s. Didn't think about anything special. It was just a day. Then events happened, and emotionally I became, I don't know, let's say, distance from self in a way, yet comfortable in self. I went to my room, and I was at my father's house at that time, And I took out photos of family members, and I put them in a line on the bed, and I looked at them in a row. The photos represented justification of what I was about to do, I guess. Some kind of thought process went through me where I felt my family would understand. I said that I couldn't cope with things anymore in a calm way and my father got worried. The police were called and they came to the house. They talked with me and I kind of just shared how I was feeling. They assessed me then they called an ambulance and they called another car I said to the police that I just had to go outside for a little bit and I went outside and I ran I ran away from the house and I went down the street there was a paddock around the house at that particular time further down the street I ran across the paddock and I went up a hill and I sat on that hill and I watched I guess they thought I was coming back, but I didn't go back. I sat on the hill and I watched as my father's car drove down the street past the hill, followed by two police cars, an ambulance, my brother, and a friend. I carried on walking around the streets for what seemed maybe a couple of hours. And then, finally, I decided to go back home, and I went home. When I arrived there, the two police cars, the ambulance, another vehicle, my brother's car, and a couple of other cars were there waiting for me. I decided to hop in the back of one of those cars with my father, and in the front were two people. I didn't know who they were. They were people from Tokanui, from the mental health unit. In the back of the car, there were no handles, I couldn't get out. And they drove me to Tokanui Mental Health Unit. On arrival, Dad didn't really think too much about it other than that this may be what was needed at the time there was no expectation I don't think that I was going to be staying there for any length of time but it turned out that I did in Tokonoi it was a frightening experience but a calming experience on the first night that I was there I was locked in a room with maybe 20 other people the person beside me started talking to me that night. I wasn't talking back. But they were talking to me about me, about my history, about my life, about my family. They knew where I lived. They knew who my brothers and sisters were. They knew all about me. I was frightened yet calmed by that. I was frightened because how could they possibly know? But I was calmed by the fact that there was somebody in there that knew me. When I woke in the morning we went into the room where they seemed to just hang out. And there was a girl there that was being sexually assaulted by another person, let's say patient neither was a victim or neither of the two were a perpetrator it was just a sexual assault that was happening both perpetrator and victim were compliant i didn't really understand that the guards nurses but let's say guards walked past and smiled and laughed as if this was a regular occurrence I didn't understand it, but I was calm. There was a young girl that I got to know quite well. I befriended, let's say. She described how she was locked in the padded cell, and I saw the padded cell. She described how she was put in a straitjacket, and I saw her in a straitjacket. She again was calm and I was calm and I seemed to understand why she was there, I understood her feelings of pain, I understood her feelings of despair and sadness and lost hope. Each morning there would be a circular meeting with all of let's say the patients and the guards. In these circular meetings, each person had the chance to talk about their experiences, about their lived experiences, yet there was never anybody that really spoke. The experiences were shut down immediately and I I noticed that when I started to have a voice, to share how I was feeling, to share about what had put me there and why I was there and what I felt about being there. But when I shared, I was shut down, unable to speak. The subaltern that could not have a voice. I befriended another man while I was there. This man told his story of how he escaped and went into the bush, which was just outside past the electrified fence. He told me how he took some number 8 wire with him. He told me how he started a fire. He told me how he heated the number 8 wire in the fire and he had made a circle out of the number 8 wire. After he heated it, he branded himself with a circle on his arm. He and I talked a lot while we were in there, we shared a lot of experiences. I enjoyed his company he told me about the woman who decapitated her husband the woman I saw walking around pacing in circles holding her head wailing crying, screaming this was all day every day this woman would do this I never really paid much attention to the story of her because it was one of heartache and extreme pain and I was already familiar with what that felt like I understood the context the emotion the reason the ballet playing pool player was a different story she was beautiful and not normal she was kind and loving, dancing and spinning around, then violent and angry. Most times during the day she was restrained by guards, then placed in a straitjacket, not to be seen until the following morning, where again the same activity would happen. We would pay Paul, I would purposely lose, she would dance around, And we would be joined together in an experience of being alone yet in company in an environment that was foreign. She represented an angel in a home that was not a normal place. I never took any of the medication. They gave constant medication There would a, a bell would ring and there'd be a lineup of people waiting hand out mouth open small glass of water or a plastic cup of water and they would take their medication I could have sold it to others that seemed to be a practice that some did but me I just hit it I hid it away, I didn't take anything. Two days before I was told I could leave, I was assessed for three hours by two psychiatrists. It took so long to assess me because they could not work me out, they could not understand my thinking. The way I behaved, the way I expressed all emotion, with no malice, nor with any ill intent. Simply put, I expressed all to share and help others. Their assessment of me revealed that I had no mental health issue. I was simply emotional and possibly a little strange. Tokonoi was the first time I was institutionalised for being me, for being authentic, for living and telling the lived experience of being emotional, for revealing the me that is the person I wanted to be, the person I strive to be. Tokonoi tested me emotionally, mentally, physically and above all, tested me in the way the system the way the machine seeks to test and measure what is normal the outcome of my time in Tokunui mental health unit is that I was emotional and strange, I was not normal but I was not insane no medication was identified as a requirement of aftercare nor was there any aftercare level of engagement required for me with a psychiatrist, a psychologist or any other therapeutic intervention I required nothing to get back to normal I live the lived experience I retell the lived experience. I function in a third space manner where my journey is liberating, is joyful, is painful, is exposing. Where the retelling of my journey when told outside of the societal constructs which seek to patrol individual voice helps me and others. I do not and will not shy away from telling a story as a way to engage other people in lived experiences so they and I will grow. I am not ashamed of who I am. I am not embarrassed of who I am. I love who I am. I am not strange. I am just not normal. My name is Dr. Michael. Follow 13 Elephants and my story on Spotify podcast and please subscribe to 13 Elephants on YouTube. I appreciate you all. I thank you all so very much for allowing me into your space to share the story. Come along for the ride.